how that fits so well this morning. Thank you, ladies. Well, good morning. Man, this is just icing on the cake, man. That, honestly, God's, I don't know, God's presence has been here. And uh, hopefully you've, you've connected and you've had a uh, connection with our Lord this morning. Um, before I even begin, I just want to pray. I just want to pray. So would you mind just bowing your heads and bowing your hearts with me? Our Heavenly Father, may our lives reflect what you've done in them. May they reflect your goodness. May they reflect your glory. Lord, we ask that this morning, we ask that you speak. We ask that your Holy Spirit teach that you remove me from the equation and that you speak with your authority and you speak with your truth. God, we need to hear a word from you. And those of you that are listening right now, that are right here, would you just ask him out loud, speak to me. Just ask him. Whether you believe in him or not, will you just ask him, speak to me today. Jesus, we thank you in your name that we ask. Amen. Well, uh, if you're joining us fresh and anew today, um, last week we had a wonderful friend of ours, Jacob Hawes from Commission Toledo, um, whom we are partnering with. He brought a, a wonderful message about the radical power of Jesus Christ and how he radically loved people and how people were radically transformed by that radical love and that those people radically loved other people and they were transformed. Is that not the powerful message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news? Radical love, radical transformation and that permeates from one person to another? That is the gospel. That is the good news, folks. And that is why we are who we are. Again, if you're fresh and anew to Wapak Naz, we are loved people loving people to Jesus. That is what we strive to do in this place and through this ministry. Because God first loved us, and that love was expressed through Jesus Christ, and that His sacrifice on the cross, and that we receive that radical love, that we receive that grace, and that by that, we go and extend the radical love that God loves us. That is why we are loved people loving people to Jesus. And just so that you're aware, um, we, are, we are just start. we are continuing our journey um, on the way, walking forward, traveling backward. And two weeks ago, we started this series. And just so that you're aware, if you, this is new for everybody, whether you're a guest here or not, uh, we have had a soft launch um, online on our website, uh, wapaknaz.org, uh, with our sermons. Uh, we have been trying to make sure that all the kinks are out, and uh, so if you have missed any of our sermons um, and any in our series, so this is the second in our series, you can go to our website, and you can listen online. Um, pretty much it's up on Mondays, uh, Monday afternoons. So if you missed that, or if you just want to re-listen to me and have a good nap, 
I don't know. Um, you feel free. <laughs> feel free and go there. That would be wonderful. Um, but I do want to want to kind of recap a little bit. Two weeks ago, we started this journey, uh, walking forward, traveling backward. And it started out of Luke chapter 24. It was Resurrection Sunday, where the disciples were still cowering inside. Some of them were really questioning, did this Jesus thing really happen? Two of the men, two of the disciples, started walking back home to Emmaus. They started to go home, back to their old life. And on the road to Emmaus, they were talking about the things that were happening, the things that had happened over the course of those three days. And wouldn't you know it, like Jesus, he comes up and begins to walk beside them, asking, what are you talking about? What's the discussion? They were amazed that he didn't know what was happening. But see, Jesus was just as amazed at their misunderstanding and lack of application of the scripture of the Old Testament. And so, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus, with these two men walking seven miles, about three to four hours long, began to unpack the Old Testament, what we call the Old Testament. The scriptures of Moses and the prophets, and all those things concerning himself to these two disciples who did not recognize the risen Jesus Christ but also who did not recognize or apply the scriptures to their life. And so, last week, the last time we were together, we began possibly where I think maybe Jesus would have begun. We don't know what Jesus had said, but we do have the scriptures of what he talked about. We started with the tabernacle. We went all the way back to Exodus. And so today, these are the scriptures that we're going to be looking at. I went ahead a little bit for you, but... Uh, these are the texts that we're going to be seeing this morning. But there was a moment when God was with Moses on the mountain. And if you've seen Easter, if you've been around Easter, you see ABC, the Ten Commandments with Charlton Heston. It's there almost every year. It's been there since I was a fetus. And it'll probably be there until I take my last breath. Charlton Heston and the Ten Commandments. But we need to understand that there was more than the Ten Commandments that, that God gave to Moses. God laid out to Moses a lot of instructions for the Israelite people and how they were to interact with each other and how they were to interact with him, how they were to worship him. And what God, decide, what God designed was a tabernacle, Jewish church, Old Testament, ancient church, a place where he, went, he could be worshipped. And in the beginning of his instructions, he laid out a specific room. And that specific room was the most holy place, the holy of holies. God started with the heart. He started in the center of all of it, his presence. Some of you might remember the, uh, the good old movie, Indiana Jones and the Temple of uh, Doom, or the Raiders of the Lost Ark. That's right, Raiders of the Lost Ark. My bad. Temple of Doom. Now, what am I talking about? Indiana Jones and the Lost Ark. God started with the Ark of the Covenant. And at the Ark of the Covenant was a small chest, a small box that would actually, it was made out of wood and overlaid with gold, 
again, I'm not a good craftsman. So I just wrap the box, and I'm not a good wrapper either. But this Ark of the Covenant had gold rings in which the poles would be inserted, and that God's presence would go with His people. And God started in the Holy of Holies, because that's where His presence would be. And no, I don't have cherubim. But on top of the Ark of the Covenant, in one solid gold piece, you would see, as you can see in the picture, cherubim. And wherever we see cherubim, we see the presence of God. Now these are shepherds. These are not cherubim. But there's something interesting about the shepherds being here as the cherubim. See, God's presence was enthroned over the Ark of the Covenant in the Holy of Holies. And this is where Moses would meet with God. And no one could enter in. No one could enter in the Holy of Holies without blood being shed. And the cherubim would guard the presence of God and God's presence would come over the Ark of the Covenant and meet with His people. And this tabernacle, this tent, this mobile place of worship would sit in the middle of the camp of the Israelites. And when the pillar of God would come up off of that tent of meeting, they would pack up and move. And when the pillar of God would descend, that's where they would stop and set up the tabernacle and set up camp. We don't do that this is camp this church this building this is camp for you this is camp for us this is where we supposedly meet with God folks it's a little different today because of the spirit of God we can meet with him anywhere but in the old testament they would meet here in the holy of holies why is it different today it's because of Jesus Christ as you can see this is not Christmas we're closer to Easter than Christmas, right? You see the cradle right before me. The cradle where Christ was placed. Actually, this would be hewn out of stone. But in that moment, on that Christmas night, the first people other than Joseph and Mary to see the face of Jesus Christ would be the shepherd. The shepherds that were out in the fields, tending their sheep, and the announcement came from the angels. And so they went to see what was there. And they found a baby lying in a manger wrapped in swaddling cloth. The shepherds, aside from the parents, were the first ones to see the face of God. They were seeing the holy of holies, the divine presence of Jesus Christ. And in that moment, God became with us. And last time, I asked, isn't that what we want? Isn't that what we want to know? That today, in the worst parts of our life, in the most difficult aspects of our life, that God is with us. That God is alongside of us. That God has gone before us and that God has come behind us. Isn't that what we want to know? And in that moment that Jesus came into the world, that God make that, made that redemptive stride across the universe, wrapped himself in flesh, 
made his dwelling among us, that he stepped right into our mess. Isn't that what we want to know? Maybe I'm different, but man, I need to know that. I need to know that God is with me. And so today, we move forward. We move forward a little bit further by traveling backward. So if you would, open up your Bibles to the front part of your Bible, to Genesis. Genesis chapter 2 and Genesis chapter 3. We're going to go to the garden for a moment. We're going to step right inside of the garden. That garden which God had planted in Genesis 2. The garden which God made the trees grow. Trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. The same garden where God placed Adam to tend, to care for, to cultivate. The same garden. Whoa, how are you? Wake up. You're awake now, aren't you? The same garden where God brought all the animals to Adam. And Adam had opportunity to name those animals. The same garden where the first surgery took place. Where God put Adam under, removed the rib, and formed Eve. The same garden were the first words of prose. Poetry were uttered from the lips of Adam. Flesh of my flesh, bone of my bones. What wonderful words. But, we go back also to the same garden where God's words were first miscommunicated. Not from God, but from Adam to Eve, where God's words were first twisted, where God's words were first misinterpreted, questioned, where God's words were first rebelled against. The same garden where Adam and Eve took the fruit and ate it. Adam, the wide-eyed witness, who remained silent in the moment that his wife took and ate the fruit the first. And this is the same garden in which God called out Adam and Eve for what they had done. So would you go there with me? Genesis chapter 3. I'll have some of the scriptures up. Genesis chapter 3, and I'll have to pull it out here, my bad. Genesis chapter 3, verse 8 and 9. The man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called the man, where are you? Folks, This is the same garden where sin entered in. Into the hearts of man. Into creation. That would move on from generation to generation. And here we have this moment. Where God is coming in the cool of the day. 
God desires connection with you. God desires communion with you. And it's very apparent by this moment that God still walks into the middle of the mess, into the middle of our brokenness, and searches out, searches us out. And here we have Adam and Eve hiding among the trees that God had planted. Genesis 2. Hiding among the same trees in which God said these are good for these are pleasing to the eye and good for food. Hiding among the trees in which they pulled the leaves off to hide their nakedness, to hide their shame, to hide their guilt. Not only from God, but from one another. But see, we have a picture of God wanting to commune with them. This isn't a picture of one moment. This has been a daily practice for God. They heard him walking into the garden in the cool of the day. God had connected and communed with Adam and Eve long before this moment. We saw it with the fact that God brought Adam the animals. We saw him with the fact that God even placed him there specifically. We saw it in the moment where God did the first surgery. God was with them and connected to them, and they were connected to him. But in the moment of disobedience, when they thought they were going to get wisdom, they got something else. They got the nakedness. They got the shame. They got the guilt and the brokenness. Things in which they didn't even want to have. They didn't even know existed at the moment. But God still came in the cool of the day to connect. Folks, in our brokenness, in our lostness, in our sin, God still comes commune and connect with you and me. God wants to extend that. God wants that for you. No matter how far or how close you are to him, God still pursues you. He walks in that into the middle of your mess. I find that very comforting. And intriguing that even in our brokenness, someone is coming after us. So, they hid among the trees of the garden, and the Lord called out, Where are you? Where are you? Now, I don't know about you, but even if you don't have any semblance of who God is, you don't have any belief in God at all you've probably heard that God is supposedly omniscient. He knows all. So it's not a supposed thing. God is omniscient. This question isn't a question of, I don't know where you guys are. Where are you? Where are you? No, this is a question of, Adam, do you know where your heart is with respect to me? Eve, Do you know where your heart is with respect to me? Do you know where your hearts are with respect to each other? 
God asked the question not because he needed to know where they were physically. God asked the question so they could figure out where they were. This question that God asks Adam and Eve is a question that is asked of you and me. Where are you? Ambrose, where are you? Wapaknaz, where are you? Wapakoneta, where are you? Auglaise County, where are you? He asks this question of us. And he asks it frequently. Where are you? And so, as the story progresses, as this moment progresses, we see the blame game happen. Well, you put her here with me. Well, the serpent did this, and etc. Folks, the reason that this question is so important is because we have a tendency to move away from God. Away from Him. No one drifts towards God. Try drifting towards God. See where you go. You go where everyone else goes. Away. Ever since this moment, that's been our tendency. Let me put it this way. Um... Ever since I got done with school, I've been trying to learn to cook. I haven't burnt the house down, which is a good thing. And no, it's not like pancakes and grilled cheese. Man, I lived on that stuff in college. Spaghetti, I did not eat ramen. That was just no way. Uh, Some of the things that I've been trying to learn to cook are hollandaise sauce with eggs benedict, bordelais sauce with a nice braised roast, trying to learn some of these complicated things and when you talk about food you have to talk about salad and salad's not my game it's not my thing if I eat salad it's raw because I don't like dressing never liked dressing in my life but I'm hoping that'll change but I just picked up a book to learn the science behind cooking you know, molecules and reactions and all of these things. And I, I know it's really weird. It's one of my strengths is learning things. Doing things is not my strength. Um, but I learned that with salad dressing, the basis is obviously oil and vinegar, right? One part vinegar to three parts oil. And you can increase that however much you want. But the molecular structure of oil and vinegar are such that you have to bring them together purposefully. You have to, as Tay Swift says, shake, 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 right? Because the more you shake, 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 the longer it take, 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 takes for oil and vinegar to separate. You must emulsify oil and vinegar. But 
give it some time, oiler and vinegar will separate. Folks, that is our tendency. Give ourselves some time, we will eventually separate ourselves from our Creator. Give it some time. Now, I'm not just talking about, well, I haven't come to church in a while. I'm not just talking about, you know, I haven't gone to life group or Bible study in a while. Connecting with Him personally in your own private time. Give it some time. We'll eventually separate. That is our somewhat molecular structure ever since the fall. It's not that oil and vinegar don't want to be together. It's not that it's a hate-hate relationship. It's just they go in their opposite corners. Folks, we don't drift towards God. It's our natural tendency to go away. Why? Because of this moment. Sin entered in. Sin entered in our hearts, and sin entered in creation, and that is our tendency because it's passed from generation to generation through Adam. It's very, very clear. Now, you might be asking, well, where's the grace in all this? Genesis 3.21, and I'll just put a pin right here because we're going to pull this pin out in several weeks. God came to Adam and Eve in the garden in the cool of the morning, even in their sin. Sin separates us from God. Sin separates us from each other. But yet God continued to pursue. And in that moment, in the garden, the same garden, we have the first sacrifice, the first drop of blood. And the Lord made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. The first drop of blood was shed in the garden, and grace showed up. Grace showed up. God's love was right there. But see, as sin separates, it separates us from each other. Notice, again, the pseudo-fig leaf, that leaf that will wither away. They didn't put those fig leaves on for God. They put it on for each other. God said, this is, this is not going to work. This is only temporary. There's something that has to come to be more eternal. And this is the first sign of that. But since sin separates, there's some consequences. And it said, so the Lord God banished him from the garden to work the ground from which he had been taken, from dust 
to dust, right? But I want to go back to the very last verse in this chapter. What do we see? After he drove them out, we talked about this two weeks ago. He placed on the east side of the garden cherubim and flaming swords flashing back and forth guarding the way to the tree of life wherever we see cherubim in scripture we see God's presence Adam and Eve had the opportunity to choose from all the trees in the garden but they chose to eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil not the tree of life that God guarded that that was eternal and so I want us to go forward to Moses just for a second back to this tabernacle Exodus chapter 26 would you flip there for me Exodus chapter 26 God's presence in the holy of holies and enthroned above the cherubim is his presence but the next instruction to be made for the tabernacle Exodus chapter 26 verse 31 we're going to read just a few verses make a curtain of blue purple and scarlet yarn and finely twisted linen with what cherubim worked into it by a skilled craftsman hang it with gold hooks on four posts of acacia wood overlaid with gold and standing on four silver bases hang the curtain with clasps check this out and place the ark of the, te- uh, the testimony the ark of the covenant behind the curtain the curtain will separate the holy place from the most holy place put the atonement cover on the ark of the testimony in the most holy place folks God started the instructions in the heart of the tabernacle because this is the heart of worship God is the heart of worship God is the heart of our lives. But something happened in the garden that gets passed down, passed on. Look around, folks. Just look around. And the next instruction in the tabernacle, he moves out further to the east entrance. And he said, make a curtain. And on that curtain, weave in cherubim. Why? Because cherubim guard the presence of God. But why a curtain? Folks, because sin separates 
Sin separates us from the presence of God. It breaks relationship. It breaks relationship. God is a holy God. And when sin comes in contact with a holy God, wrath is the consequence. Wrath is the the molecular reaction, if you will. Amy and I were um, went doing a lot of errands on Friday, um, going all around Miami Valley, from Centerville to Huber Heights and Xenia. And one of the things that we were looking for were um, pie plates, white pie plates. And there was a particular store that we were told they're on sale, they're on clearance for $5. And so we were hoping to amass a lot of pie plates for uh, our pop-up shop. It adds dimension and height to the product and those types of things. It makes it look really, really nice. Just nice, right? So went to the first store, nothing. And we went to the second store, nothing. Didn't find them. And on the way out of the second store, we started walking through the checkout aisle. And Amy and I, our eyes caught this little girl who was running towards the front of the store through the checkout aisle. And you could just see that she was smiling. And then she turned around, and her smile turned to panic instantaneously. Not because she saw me, if that's what you're thinking. That's probably what my wife was thinking. Um, Not because she saw me. Um, It's what she didn't see. She didn't see her family. She didn't see her sister. And that panic turned to a whimper. Uh, And you can see it. And we're watching this whole thing go down. And I noticed that there's this chaos of the, the checkout aisle. Everybody's focused on buying things and getting things and making sure transactions happen. And it seemed like no one was focused on this little girl. And so she ran back towards the, the first aisle or the, first, the main area where people were walking. And that whimper turned into a cry. And Amy and I locked on with each other and we started to walk back to... You know, we think this girl is lost. The panic. The lostness. You ever have that feeling of lostness? That separation? God understands that. God gets that. It's really interesting how her older sister came from the blind side. The little girl didn't see her. And the sister was just smiling and picked her up. And so Amy and I obviously turned around and went on. But there was that moment where there was a rescue that the little girl was found. Folks,
Sin separates. But God made a way. God made a way. This system, it wasn't permanent. It was a picture. The tabernacle, why, why are we talking about this whole thing? It's because it's a microcosm. It's a microcosm of creation. It's a miniature of creation. It's a miniature of the heavenly temple. And it speaks directly to Jesus Christ. And to what he did. Why he came. Emmanuel. God with us. And they named him Jesus. Why? Because he will save his people from their sins. Folks. There's a way out. So today, I ask you a couple questions. Where are you? Where are you? Where are you? Where's your heart? Where are you in relation to God? Is your sin separating you? The obvious answer would be, yeah. There's sin in our life that separates us from God, who wants to commune with us, who desires that in our life. I'm thankful, not only for this moment, but Easter for Good Friday no name Saturday and Resurrection Sunday would you please stand just bow your head Sandy you can just stay where you are it's alright bow your head and close your eyes for just a moment We asked God to speak to us today, didn't we? And my guess is that he spoke to you. That he said something to you. Now, it's our job to respond to that. Would you respond to that? If we realize that we're far from Him, we realize that there is something in our life that has separated us from Him, that is putting a wedge in between us and His presence. Scripture teaches us to confess. Because when we confess, He cleans. Will you confess whatever it is in your life right now. You asked him to speak. He spoke to you. Now we need to respond to that. Will you confess?
Just tell him to tell it to him. Lord, forgive us. Lord, whatever is in our life, whatever is in my life, whatever is in the life of Wapak Naz, if we've done anything, Lord, we ask that, that you forgive us. You say in the word, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, I will hear them from heaven. Lord, what we desire for our life is that heaven happens here. Heaven happens in our heart. Heaven happens in our community. And we don't want anything to deter that, to hinder that. And so this morning, we just confess. We confess that you are God. And we put ourselves right on the altar and say, hey, it's here. We want you to do what you want to do, Lord. Forgive us for whatever is impeding that. And we ask that you cleanse us, Lord God. We ask that you, you shed that blood in our life, the blood that you shed on the cross and you cleanse our heart. Because we know that you want communion with us. You desire a relationship with us. And our tendency is to go away from that. Shake us up, Lord. Shake us up. Awake us. Lord, we ask these things this morning in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, this isn't the end of the story. This is not the end of the story. There's more to this story. So I challenge you, between now and Easter, continue to come for the rest of the story. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength, and will you please love your neighbor as yourself. Have a wonderful, blessed day. Amen.